Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I play Tam Rivor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of The Mandalorian, Chapter 6, The Prisoner. Uh, this is, uh, I talked about it last week, a bit of a standalone episode as far as the series goes. Um, but it was uh, written by Christopher Yost and directed by Rick Famuyiwa. So it's um interesting episode. It's the only one, even though they're still involved with it, that was neither written nor directed by Dave Filoni or John Favreau. So interesting addition to the season, but one that I enjoyed, and I will talk about it now. Uh, for those of you who have completed the series uh, in certain countries, um, hopefully you'll enjoy uh, going back and reminiscing about this one. Uh, for those of you in countries where you just saw this episode, perhaps, uh, there will be no spoilers beyond this episode. I'll talk about Chapter 6 in detail, but I will not spoil Chapters 7 or 8. Uh, so you don't have to worry about anything being given away if you haven't gotten that far yet. Or for anybody who's just catching up on the series anyway. All right, so yeah, as I mentioned, um, it's it's my belief that John Favreau, when he came up with the series, submitted a six-episode treatment, and to fill it out and add a little more character development for the Mandalorian, chapters five and six were put in, and which is fine because this one's a little different and. Uh, you know, it does have some development, but it's just a really nice standalone episode. And I, I like it because it's our first peek at how the New Republic operates. At least a little bit. But we'll get to that. Uh, it's, And I should say it's the uh, first episode of the show that takes place completely, completely in space. They're only either on ships or at a space station. Uh, there's no planet fall in this episode, so it's um, it's neat from that perspective too. Uh, so we've got the Razor Crest arriving in a docking bay at this space station. So you don't yet know what's uh, going on with that. And then we get to meet Ran, played by Mark Boone Jr., who's a good character actor. Uh, he's had a few different roles. I know him best as one of the crooked cops in Batman Begins. So it was neat to see him you know, a few years later uh, in a role. And, you know, obviously somebody who's got some history with Man the Mandalorian. And, you know, they're catching up in a hurry. And, uh, you know, I love his line. What's that look? Um, 
you know, we're in talking to Mando. The fact, and I mentioned it, I think in episode three, that, you know, he, he's a helmeted character. You can't see any facial expressions, but the way he cocks his head or just the way he holds himself, I mean, you can get emotion from that. So the, the what's the look line was funny to me. Um, turns out he's putting together a crew. <laughs> Not exactly like in Solo, but, um, you know, it's going to be that kind of episode where uh, that kind of story where you build up a build up a crew and I, I like it. Uh, we've got Mayfeld um, played by Bill Burr. Um, so space Boston officially becomes a thing. Um, I mean, he, I, I'm not familiar with his work as much. I, I liked him here, but, um, you know, for people who like listen to his uh, comedy and everything, I mean, he's, he's a Boston guy. And so he just went with the voice. Um, the, the funny thing personally to me, um, <laughs> because I live in T- East Tennessee, we have um, one of our major dairy farms and suppliers is Mayfield and uh, they have really good ice cream and everything. Um, So I was like, no, the whole episode I'm reminding myself it's Mayfield, not Mayfield. You know, it's anyway, side, side note on that. Um, So, you know, great banter between uh, the Mando and Mayfield. Uh, talking about his how he's ex-imperial sharpshooter and mando says that that doesn't say much and he was like i wasn't a stormtrooper um so you know they will never miss an opportunity to talk about what crappy shots they were maybe that'll show up later in the series who knows um but we get to meet the rest of the crew we've got berg played by clancy brown who I, I should have recognized from the voice, but I did not catch it until the, uh, the closing credits. Uh, I mean, Clancy Brown, uh, well, for, you know, for Star Wars fans, he was, um, uh, his name escapes me. I think it was Ryder, Ryder Azadi on Rebels. He was in the finale. Uh, I'm sure he's done it. some other voices. I mean, he was Kurgan, in Highlander, which won the Oscar for best movie ever. Now, <laughs> Talladega Nights reference if you haven't seen that movie. Um, no, I loved Clancy Brown in Starship Troopers. Um, so he, he's he's awesome, and it's really cool to see him get to do live action Star Wars, um, given his contributions to the series so far. And um, playing a Deveronian, I mean. It, Turned out that that was a really good choice. Yeah, because, you know, certain aliens, I mean, yes, we saw a Deveronian in the Cantina in A New Hope, so it's an old species. But we've seen, you know, a different one on Rebels and Clone Wars. So it, it, it's a good photorealistic alien to have on the show. Uh, we've got the droid Zero, um, played by, uh, voiced at least by Richard Aote. I'm not sure if he was actually in the suit. But um, I, especially with the voice, he reminded me a lot of AP5. Um, 
from uh, Rebels, voiced by Stephen Stanton. Um, but I liked how, you know, very, you know, not like a, a murder bot, anything like that, but, you know, kind of the gold precision um, that uh, K2SO had a little bit and uh, L3 and Solo. You know, he's kind of a good conglomeration of different um, alien types or droid types that they've done. And then we've got um, Xi'an, uh, played by Natalia Tena. And that got me excited when we found out she was going to be on the show because um, she was uh, in Game of Thrones, but also um, Nymphadora Tonks in Harry Potter. Uh, I think she started in the fourth one. Fourth or fifth, I haven't seen them. I haven't, haven't watched them all in a long time. My, my favorite is the third, and she definitely wasn't in that one. Anyway, yeah, she was, she was Tonks in uh, Harry Potter. So, you know, I loved that character. So it was good. It was fun to see her back. And, oh, I've seen some people compare, make, you know, say she's the Harley Quinn of the group. Um, but just a sneaky, murderous Twi'lek. I, I can dig it. Um, so, you know, it's a very motley crew. Um, yeah, it's a nice mix of alien and just one human and a droid and whatever Mando is under the helmet. But, you know. And then you've got this crew together, and they keep, you know, making... Uh, you know, continual references to his past. Um, it makes you think that could be a show right there, just like when he was running with people like this about, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, history with some, not with the others, a lot of distrust going around, which makes for a good, you know, group like that. And then, you know, they have, well, it's not a heist, but it's, you know, it's a, they're, they're going to break somebody out of um, captivity. Turns out it's a New Republic um, prison ship. And again, you know, the, even though there's been references to it so far, you know, this is about, you know, they're going into New Republic territory. It's not about like fringe bounty hunting stuff. But yeah, we still get the plan, the heist, plan to break out uh, scene, um, where the nice visual aid of how they're going to approach the ship and jam everything. And yeah, I, I dig when they like. One of my favorite movies is Ocean's Eleven, the remake. The first one wasn't so good uh, with the Rat Pack, but yeah, I, I love any movie like that. Uh, Gone in 60 Seconds did it a little bit. Like where they have the, the planning scene. Where it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do for the big for the big operation. Um, you know, Rogue One was a little bit like that, but that was more do it on the fly. Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And that's another good heist movie. Or both Ant-Man movies are good. Anyway. Um, so yeah, just the setup for the episode. I, I really like getting the crew together and all that. Um, yeah, I did dig the reference that 
Um, Mayfeld said the Razor Crest looked like a, a Cantobite slot machine. Yeah, it's, it's neat that they're working, you know, sequel trilogy, you know, terms and everything into older material uh, as far as the timeline goes. Now, when they leave the space station, it almost may, clearly it's not, and I'm glad it's not based on how the episode ends, but um, it had me thinking, is this the wheel from Freemaker Adventures? Because, you know, that would be, you know, small universe, kind of a neat homage. But because, you know, if you haven't seen it, the Freemaker Adventures is the Lego series, and it's canon adjacent to where they have entered, you know, they've confirmed some things in canon, but it's not totally because there's so many brushes with the movies and everything, but I want to, you know, I want to make it canon. I want, I want, it, I want it to be the wheel, but glass not. Um, my cat is all over me today. So if you hear any background noise, he's just being curious about everything. Curious like a cat. So once they're on the way, um, we get more references to him not removing his helmet. Uh, Mayfeld, you know, it's just, it's just like, you know, is he, is he a gun gun under there? Um, and then he, you know, makes a bad impersonation of a gun gun, which um, prejudicial references to gun guns, I, I kind of like because they paid it off so well. Uh, Daniel Jose Older did it in the last shot in a scene with Han. You've got to read that book or listen to it because that scene is one of my favorites uh, in Star Wars literature, and just for defying, you know, stereotypes and everything. So anyway, talking about you know, the helmet and you know, his past jobs and everything. So then, because they're you know scuffling around the ship, um, we. The, the child is still there, little tiny. This is not Yoda. And, but, I mean, he doesn't play a huge factor in this episode. It's more about Mando and, you know, dealing with people. But, um, hey, you know, he gets knocked around uh, when they um, come out of hyperspace and have to do all the maneuvers. Um, it, it almost reminded me of, like, that gizmo. And um, Gremlins, uh, especially like Gremlins 2, where he, he gets thrown all over the place. Um, but, you know, the effects of approaching the prison ship and doing the maneuvers to land on it, uh, that looks really, really good. There was some really good space animation in this episode, whether... Um, don't know how much it was practical versus CG... They, they, they do so well with it nowadays, you can, you can hardly tell. I, I, I mean, since in the Disney era, I've lost count of how many times I've seen a behind-the-scenes thing and have been like, that wasn't a, pra a special effect. It's just been so many times they've done practical effects that looked that good now. So I don't know if the Razor Crest landing on the prison ship was real or not, but it looked really great. Um, so they get into the ship, you know, they, it's only run by droids, and of course they keep alluding to Mando not liking droids. 
So, you know, maybe we'll find out more about that. Um, you know, they pass by the cells. Um, yeah, there's, um, and I, I knew I should have written it down because I forgot the species. Um, whatever John Favreau's character Rio was in Solo, there's one of those. And um, looked like an ex-imperial officer was in there. Uh, it just makes you wonder, did they plant anybody who's important that may show up in, in uh, season two or later on? Who knows? But, um, but yeah, this is where we start to get into you know, how the New Republic operates. They've got a you know, ship run by droids. Um, is that a security thing, or is it because they can't get more, more people to do the job? Or, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, but we get like the type of droids they use. Uh, those those security droids that they get into the fight with, I really liked because they reminded me of uh, 4D on uh, Star Wars Resistance. Which, given the timeline of that show, it kind of matches up because the Colossus was manned by a group of the, the, the type of droid and had been there for about 20 years, so it's five years after this. Yeah, so it all... It could match up, um, but we, because there is actually a pilot on the sh on the ship, we get to see what you know what their dress uniform looks like for stuff like that. You know, it's it's got the helmet that's an homage to the you know the troopers on the ten of E four, but you know the the blue and the the white shoes and belt that match and you know. Not the most aesthetically pleasing, but it, it just signified a new thing. But we do get a great cameo here. Um, Davin, the uh, New Republic pilot, is uh, played by Matt Lanter, who is the voice of Anakin Skywalker on Clone Wars and Rebels. So it was neat that he got a chance to do, you know, like Clancy Brown, that he got a chance to do, um, make a live action appearance. So, you know, Mando doesn't want to kill anybody. Um, so they do the everybody's pointing guns at everybody else uh, thing. Uh, I'm sure, I think when this episode originally aired, I posted the, you know, the GIF from The Office where they were all doing that with their finger guns. Um, so, you know, they got a little standoff going on and until Shan, you know, just throws a knife and kills him. But then it's got the, the homing, or the beacon is going off now. Um, so they know that New Republic forces will be there, so they have to finish what they were going to do. Um, so it uh, turns out that the prisoner they were going to rescue is Xi'an's brother, Kent... Shoot, I did not phonetically spell it out. It's Q-I-N. I was, I was going by the subtitles when I was making all the notes. Shen. Yeah, let's go with... That's his name. Anyway, uh, Ismael Cruz Cordova played him. Um, and he just seems like a nice, scummy, twilight male. You know, and I, I'd almost forgotten that we've, we've had one before, Bib Fortuna, and from all those years ago. I guess because he carries his uh, Leku differently on his body. 
you know, he's got them like kind of twisted up and on his shoulders. But I've just gotten so used to Twi'leks from the animated, like um, Champs and Dula and, you know, like that. I, I think the first time I watched this episode, I was like, wow, we get to see what, what a male looks like in the live action, even though we did all those years ago. But yeah, he's just a, you know, scuzzy looking mofo. You know, it turns out it's all a double cross. They kick Mando into the cell and they're all going to make it out. Um, so in the meantime, we've got the whole situation where Zero stayed on the ship to, you know, to monitor everything. And when he was, you know, doing the systems check, he, fa- he found Grief Karga's message uh, from back in episode three or chapter three to Mando. And then he realizes about, <clears throat> you know, starting to put, together, put together what's going on. It's about the same time Tiny is exploring and finds him. So a little chase around the ship. Um, so my cat is just all over tonight. Now I've already fed you. What is wrong with you, buddy? Here, come here. You're going to sit on my lap while we finish. So Manda, you know, Mando does that cool thing where he breaks out of the cell by getting one of the droids and he pulls his arm off and then, you know, the, all the oil and, you know, fluid comes out like black blood. I thought that was a pretty neat effect. You haven't really seen that before, <laughs> but he manages to get out of the cell. Um, you know, it takes control. And, you know, it's kind of subtle. It shows him pick up the homing uh, device, but you don't. You know, obviously, you don't see what he did with it. Um, so then, yeah, he takes him out. Takes uh, well, except for um, Shin. Um, takes the others out one by one. Um. And it's very, very Batman style. I've, I've made the comparisons with the Mandalorian and Batman a few times over the series, just the way he operates. But it, it really, it almost, the episode is almost like, like Mandalorian Arkham Asylum or something, where you know they're have to they have to break in, they have to get out. He's taking out his rogues gallery one at a time you know takes out Berg um, who's you know Deveroni is apparently fireproof um, but you know he, well when he slams the door on him you figure that killed him and, you know and, I mean that was kind of the indication that he killed all three of them although at the end of the episode we find out he didn't um, you know he takes out Xi'an um even though she's using her blades against him. And then when he's going after Mayfeld, you know, it's got the cool effect where this, like, because the lighting, he's got the strobe going on and he sneaks up behind him and you see his, him appear. They actually did that in uh, the dark Knight rises. So like a direct Batman reference. So yeah, it was just really cool how he took out each of them, uh, like going against their own strengths. Uh, but he manages to apprehend uh, Shin. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but it's okay. 
the ba- the bad Twilight guy. <laughs> um, so you know, while he's getting him on the ship, you know, Tiny's been cornered by Zero, and uh, Tiny shoots trying to use the Force again, like we saw him do in in Chapter Two. Um, but Mando blasts um, Zero, takes him out, and then you know, Tiny's got. You know, he's like looking at his hand like, did I do that or not? You know, so, you know, the force doesn't always work perfectly for him. So maybe, maybe he'll get better at it. So, you know, they get back so he can deliver and get his payment. And yeah, it was sneaky. He's, you know, got the tracking beacon on Shin and you know, good timing is he's leaving. That's when the X-wings show up. And this part was, you know, just so awesome. Like, you know, Ran was going to double cross him anyway, and like send that uh, gunship after him. Um, but no, here come. Uh, you know, I, I, when the tracking beacon went off, I thought, okay, you know, somebody's going to show up. You know, what's it going to be exactly? I thought maybe it'd be like a. New Republic cruiser or something take out the prison ship, but you know, like after he made it off, I didn't think he'd make it all the way back to the space station. Um, but yeah, no, it was totally cool when he's leaving and then the X wings pop out and go right by him. And like I talked about with the effect of the Razor Crest landing on the prison ship, the the, the, the X wings flying by the screen. I mean, that looks so good. It was like something out of A New Hope. Yeah, it is so good. And again, we get, you know, see what the New Republic, you know, fighters are like. You know, same ship design and everything, of course, but just how they operate more like, you know, patrol, since they're the ones in charge now and not on the defensive against the Empire. So, yeah, X-Wings are cool, but the coolest thing was that we got these cameos from three of the directors. Uh, of course, Dave Filoni, and uh, also the director of this episode, Rick uh, Bemiyua, and um, and Deborah Chow. So they're, they're the three pilots, and they get their moment. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's funny with John, well, John Favreau. You know, voiced one of the Mandalorians. Um, on Navarro, and then Taika Waititi's the voice of IG-11. Um, unless she pops in later this season, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard's the only director or crea- uh, creator to not appear on the show so far, so that's funny. Um, but but they, you know, t- they take out the gunship, they, um, you know, I don't know if they completely destroy the station or not, but they take out the docking bays. Now, because Ran and Shin start to run away, you don't exactly see them die, but you would assume they did because based on what they said would happen to the prison ship, uh, you got to think the whole station was destroyed, but I don't know. There's a chance there. They're still around. We'll see. Um, and just skipping ahead a little bit, you know, we do find out that uh, the other three were not killed and they're just in prison, so they can, they can live to fight another day, get their revenge on Mando. 
but you know he he does have his moment with tiny and we get the nice callback to the gear shift knob where he hands it to him to play with so but that was the episode just a nice little uh, one-off um you know you get some money that he needed and yeah just some fun action and we'll see what happens next week with it um but that is it um I think that's all I've got to say about it. Like I say, a good episode. I enjoyed it. It, it gets better and better on repeat viewings, too. Uh, but thanks for listening. I'll be back with another Mandalorian review next week with Chapter 7. Uh, I'm in the middle of uh, the final run of Clone Wars reviews now that we started the Siege of Mandalore. Uh, it's uh, just some good Star Wars television on right now. I'm very excited about it. And... Um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. I'm, uh, I've got all the Radio Dakar episodes, all the reviews and everything uh, up on Anchor.fm, the Anchor app on uh, Apple, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, um, most major podcast platforms. Uh, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash radio to car uh, to help with the upkeep of the show. Uh, but again, thank you for listening. We will be back very soon with more. And until then, may the force be with you.